what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of Philly is Flyer.com. This is Getting Bullied, Mark Giannone, Dan Silver, uh, Partners in Crime, the dynamic duo with you again. Dan, in uh, college, I had a history professor that would ask us to, before the beginning of every class if there was any life-changing experiences that we had in the last week. So I will open the show with that to you. Any life-changing experiences in the last week for Dan Silver? I feel like every time I get a chance to watch Carter Hart play, it's like a life-changing experience. Right. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. I, at first of all, I'm surprised you actually you went to class. Yes, I did. Yeah, I mean, wow. It was the early stages when I was still determined and gung-ho to get that degree, and that quickly fell off. Yeah, yeah, I thought maybe no, I don't know. I didn't I I pegged you maybe as like a you know, once a week stroll into class, you know, grace everyone with your presence and then uh stroll <laughs> out after maybe ten minutes. You pegged me well, you really do. Um that's accurate. That was a, it was once a week class, so it was easier to show oh, up. Oh, all right. Yeah, the professor was cool, so Well it's perfect but, for you. It was. It was great. But um What about you? Uh, life changing experiences? Not life changing i mean unrelated to the flyers uh saturday made the trek up to punxsutawney pennsylvania for the uh for the groundhog and that i thought see going up there i thought it was going to be like a drunk fest everybody drinking turns out it was not and me and my group did not get that memo but all in all it was fun and i was asleep by noon so yeah life-changing I so guess. let me get this straight and i don't want to take too much time on this but this sound i mean it sounds awful to me it sounds like new year's in times square except that there's like not a uh i i don't know there's not all the glitz and glamour instead you're like standing outside in the swamp waiting for right. a uh you know a groundhog to come out and make a <sighs> proclamation all right so here's the thing real quick so you get there we get to the hotel and there's three pickup destinations that you have to go to um, park your car. It's like we parked at a Walmart and then wait in line to get on a school bus, which then takes you the mile and a half up the road to basically the woods. And from there, you are just right. You're in the woods. It was zero degrees. There was a huge bonfire, which was nice. But then you're pretty much just I mean, we got there at three ish and like the groundhog doesn't come out till 720. So you're basically just standing there, and they had fireworks and stuff, but you're basically just standing there, and we were drinking, and yeah, all in all, I would not recommend it unless you want to just see what it's all about, but no, not a fun thing at all, no. Okay, well, yeah, that was my set, but now we get to talk about a fun thing, and I was yes. telling you, you know, we were joking around before the episode that we could title this episode The Return of Optimism, and... I am uh, all of a sudden I find myself being very optimistic about this Flyers team. Maybe not necessarily for this season, but I'm much more optimistic about last season than I was probably a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And this team is this team has won eight games in a row. Carter Hart yes. looks like the second coming of Bernie Perron. I mean, he for a 20 year old goaltender, the things that he's doing are absolutely incredible. 
And uh, it's just, we'll get to a lot of this during the show, but it's, I mean, it feels good to be a Flyers fan again, and it feels good to, to watch these games. Yeah, so here's my barometer on the whole thing. Um, like the last three weeks before, I guess, really before like a game or two before the, the, the break there, the, uh, the all-star break, I was really dreading watching the games. I honestly, God didn't watch a lot of them just cause I knew what was, you know, Carter Hart was there, but they still, it, the play in front of them was still kind of choppy and, you know, you follow along on Twitter, you flick over to watch a couple minutes, but all in all, I didn't watch a lot of hockey. And I was feeling down about the Flyers, and then something woke up in me that just said, you know, I, I saw the highlights, and I saw, you know, the glimpses of Carter Hart that I saw, I was like, yeah, I mean, this kid is the truth. This is, this kid's build as advertised, and you're right, it's exciting right now, and I, you know, I'm at the point now where I can't wait for the Flyers to play again. It's like, you have that, you know, like when the season starts, and you have that excitement, and you can't wait for every game because you don't know what's going to happen. That's where I'm at right now with the Flyers. You can't wait to watch this team play again. More importantly, you can't wait to see Carter Hart play again because he's he's that damn good, Dan. He's that damn good. Yeah, I've spent the last, I don't know, however many years, probably six or seven years, watching the Flyers, and you're watching the game and you're thinking to yourself, all right, when is the bad goal coming up? Like every shot that's taken towards the Flyers net, you cringe because it might go in. Hey, Cal Pickard might let up a goal from the blue line here Cal underneath Pickard. his arm. Hey, Steve Mason, who, by the way, I Steve Mason is probably one of the best Flyers goalies in recent history. But, yeah. you know, the guy let up a goal in the playoffs from center ice. Like, you know, you're just, there's always this feeling that, hey, Ron Hextall, who, you know, did a great job rebuilding and retooling this team and was fired earlier this, this year. Uh, you know, he let in one of the worst goals I've ever seen from the blue line against Claude Lemieux at a, at a game I was at uh, many years ago in the playoffs against the Devils. And so it's like even the good goalies that the Flyers have had have just let up these horrible goals and it just makes you cringe watching the game. And now we've got a 20-year-old goalie who – looks to me like he like you're watching the game and you're thinking he's not only not going to let in bad goals but he's also going to make at least a few incredible saves during the course of the game like he made last night on Nikolai Goldobin that was to ridiculous the two to one yeah that save was unbelievable to, unbelievable to preserve the two to one lead it changes everything about yes. how you watch hockey and you just kind of hope that, that he can continue doing this yeah, I mean it's that that save last night, and we, me, and you've talked about it a lot in the past, and and it's this whole thing where he's always in such good position that he doesn't necessarily have to make those spectacular saves. And last night, you know, it wasn't you know every now and then you're going to get a play like that where the puck just crosses the crease real quick, and there's a guy there, and you know you're either quick enough to get there or you're not. And you know at that point for Carter Hart, it's not even about positioning it's not about training it's about desperation and every goalie is going to go through that at least once but he's got the quickness to make that desperation look routine and yeah I mean it was just a full superman dive from from left to right and he got it that he got there and that's really all that matters and you know the fan base right now is at a it's, it's at a point that I, I 
I can't really remember the last time that everybody was so high on one player. And Al Morgani said on WIP, either I think it was this morning, because it had to have been because of what, you know, everything surrounding the kid right now after last night's game. And let me, I'll ask you this, because I know you love the player I'm about to bring up. Al Morgani said that Carter Hart coming up to the Flyers is the biggest move the Flyers have made, the biggest player to get to the Flyers since Eric Lindros. And we are talking 25, 26 years since Lindros first came to the Flyers. And it's been that long, but the mania around Carter Hart, I mean, I was... I was just a boy. I was a baby when Lindros came up. You could speak to that. But the mania around Carter Hart right now is at a level that I don't think I've ever seen for a Flyers player before. Yeah, it's interesting that Morgani brought up Eric Lindros. I mean, look, the Eric Lindros thing, he was celebrated as by everyone following the NHL as hockey's next superstar. Right. And you had teams treating away like their whole team to try and get him. Uh it's a little different with a goaltender like Carter Hart because, you know, he was a second-round pick. And, yes, he had arguably the best resume of any goalie coming out of the Canadian junior systems. But people just don't really know what to expect from goalies. So coming into the Flyers organization with a fan base who is used to terrible goaltending year after year, there's that sort of that dread that maybe the kid's going to be a bust. And so... You saw that in the beginning of the season and before the season started. You know, I would suggest maybe that Carter would be up this season and I'd get bombarded on Twitter with people calling me an idiot and you're going to ruin his his psyche and all this stuff. So people were really scared about what was going to happen if we brought up Carter Hart too early. They just kind of wanted to handle him with kid gloves. People were certainly excited when he was called up, but keep in mind, he was called up, I think, the, the day after... Dave Haxtell was was let go or the, or that day. And so there was a lot going on. And so the excitement level when they called him up was nowhere near what it was like for Eric Lindros. Mm-hmm. However, now that Carter Hart has played uh, as many games as he has, and he's become one of the only 20-year-old goaltenders of all time to string together a five-game win streak, he's currently on a six-game win streak, I think that now that people see him playing this well, and see that he could be legit the goalie this organization needs and people have been hoping for since Bernie Perrant was on the team. I think that people are extremely uh, excited about him right now, and maybe to the point that people were excited about Eric Lindros. So I would compare uh, those situations. And, you know, Carter Hart can... I, I, I tweeted out yesterday that after the game, and I think he's got a chance to, to become the, the franchise's first Calder Trophy winner as Rookie of the Year. I mean, Elias okay. Pedersen kind of has a stranglehold on it right now. But you watch the game last night, and, you know, goaltenders can impact the game more than a skater can. So if, if Carter Hart finishes out the year like he's been playing so far, he he's he's already gotten a ton of hype around the NHL. Every time I watch the NHL Network, Kevin Weeks is talking about how great he is. He's going to get some momentum. He might win the Rookie of the Year. He is a uh, he's a franchise altering player, and it certainly looks <laughs> like he's going to uh, be able to continue this. See, like just you saying that when you say franchise altering player, and over the summer I started calling him the franchise. But hearing you say franchise altering player. Uh, like, 
literally like literally put a smile on my face and like a nice smirk. Well, that's what and, I'm here for. You know, right. put a smile so, on your face. That's all I needed. That's and I we can end the show right now. I just needed you to make me smile. Um if I if I were to ask you the question, by the way, you said he's on a six game winning streak. He's actually on a seven game. Last night was his seven straight game. Seven game winning streak. That's right. The Flyers have won eight. He's won seven. Right. I'm glad I have you on the show to correct See? me on stuff. Fact like check. This, you know. Um. So yeah, like they keep they keep flashing that they kept flashing the graphic on the screen of um, you know, longest winning streaks for a goalie under 21, and he's right now a game. Under the record, if he wins his next Tebow one, of the record? who's that? It was who's the record? Jocelyn Tebow, yes, Tom Barrasso. No, Tebow. Tom Barrasso was on the list three times. Oh, yeah, he started playing when he was six years old. Yeah, so that was incredible in itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, just right then and there. And when you bring up the Calder, you know, the Calder race, and right now, you know, for a long time, it was um, Pedersen was just he was the one, there was nobody else even close, and now. Carter Hart comes up, and you're right. The way, the way that a goalie can impact a team, you're seeing right now, you know, it, 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 I'm surprised that more goalies don't win MVP of the league because you're seeing what Carter Hart has done to change the Flyers, and I'm, I'm sure that there's goalies around the league that do the same thing where they get, you know, the, the team around them may not be that good, but they just carry them a long way, and... You know, Carter Hart, right now, as I see it, is at least the MVP of the Flyers. But let me ask you this, because I put a poll up on the Getting Bullied account a couple days ago just to gauge how in love the city is with Carter Hart. So if I were to ask you right now who the two fan favorites are as far as the Flyers go, it would be who? The two fan favorites yeah, for the Flyers? Everybody's I, two favorites if they had a rank. Did you give goal. people options or <clears> – <throat> I just I the options were oh well, I just kind of picked them out of my head but I'm asking from okay. your perception of what you see I, two, on... I would say the two fan favorites would be uh Claude Giroux and Carter Hart. Exactly. Okay. So my my poll question was obviously this is completely hypothetical. Uh it says these three people are sinking in a ship and you can only save one. Who are you saving? And the options were Claude Giroux, Carter Hart and Gritty. Because everybody loves Gritty, too, except me, apparently. Um, where do you think this went? 455 votes. Where do you think the majority went? Probably Carter Hart. By how much? You said how many votes were there? 455. And what Drew, percentage? Gritty and Carter Hart. Yeah, what percentage said Carter Hart? I would say 75%. Wow. Yeah, um, you're close. Um, 65% said Carter Hart. And what what's amazing to me... Did Giroux beat me, out Gritty? What's that? Did Giroux beat out Gritty? Only by 1%. 18% Giroux, 17% Gritty. <laughs> well, Gritty, wait, I mean, Gritty would be tough to save. I feel like he weighs a lot more. All you right, know? so my favorite response to this was... Um, at Dilbert seven one nine, John Rebstock said, "I presume oh, Gritty can." Oh, this is not the one. No, that's not the one. He, he, he had a good one. Responses. Oh, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Basically, the one guy called uh, Gritty. Here it is. Chuck orange and black stuff at Chuck. Um, 
Is that Chuck Fletcher on Twitter? Chuck Sliders. Maybe oh, a... Chuck Sliders. No. It said, we don't know if Gertie is amphibious or not. I'm betting on yes. And between G and Hart, I chose Hart because he's only 20. It's just a humane choice. But here is my point in, in this whole poll. And obviously, I'm having a little bit of fun, but it, I was, it was also a social experiment. Um, everybody keeps saying that Claude Giroux is the most underrated, underappreciated athlete in Philly. And here it is between him and this newcomer that everybody has fallen head over heels with. And by a large margin, they go with Carter Hart. So that right there shows you the state of mind of the fan base that this guy, Claude Giroux, has been here forever. Everybody loves and everybody defends to the death. And he can't even beat out a poll where Carter Hart is an option. So Carter Hart right now is... I mean, if, you've, if you're ranking the five most popular athletes in Philadelphia right now, it's Joel Embiid, um, you know, maybe Fletcher Cox, Carson Wentz, and Carter Hart, and then whoever the hell else you want to put in there, maybe Aaron Nola, that doesn't really matter. But right now, in such a short time, he has just intertwined himself in the hearts and souls of Flyers fans, and then when I was watching it last night, I, I just looked at him. And I'm watching him make these saves, and I said, holy shit, this kid is what we've been waiting for for 25-plus years. And it feels good. The Flyers have have had seven goalies play for them this season. Uh, Four of them have a goals against, or four of them have a save percentage under 865. Then you go up to Stolars at 896. Wow. Brian Elliott at 911. And then you've got Carter Hart with a 925 save percentage. He's made 40 plus saves in multiple games now in a row. I mean, look, there's nothing really more to say about it. I think at this point, everyone's just kind of like holding their breath and being like, let's hope this is the real deal and he can keep this up because you're talking about a 20 year old goalie who hopefully is going to be with this franchise, you know, for his career for the next 10 to 15 years. And you've got him on a crazy contract the next two years. I mean, he's only making $800,000 this year, next year, and the year after. So that's a huge advantage for Chuck Fletcher. If he only has to commit a couple million dollars to this team's two goaltenders, mm-hmm. he can spend that money elsewhere. And then, you know, Carter Hart's going to get a huge contract, uh, assuming he keeps playing like this when his contract's up in the summer of, I believe, 2021. But it's it's not something we have to worry about now. And so you could really try and you know, stack this team in the next few years because you're going to be saving a ton of money at the goalie position. It's funny you mention um, when you said a couple million dollars on your two goaltenders. That would, to me, assume that you are, you see Anthony Solars as a viable backup to Carter Hart. I mean, he played well the other night against New York. He got the shutout in a game where the Flyers kind of got outplayed and he kept them in it. I think, who was it, Chris Kreider, who had like three or four really good scoring chances and Stolarz was just phenomenal just shutting everything down yeah the Flyers definitely got outplayed in that game and Stolarz was very good I've said for a while that I think if he's healthy Stolarz could be a viable NHL goalie mm-hmm. so but here's the thing he's a he's a free agent at the end of the season Stolarz is, is right. he, let's see if he's unrestricted or is he um restricted free agent let me just check in check in here our friends over at cap friendly 
So Stolarz is a restricted free agent. So you could sign him pretty cheaply, maybe a million, a million, two, five at the end of the season. And you could go into next season with Stolarz and Hart for a total of two million. But even if they sign a veteran to back up Carter Hart, they're not going to spend more than one and a half to two million dollars. So, you know, either way, they're not going to be spending a lot of money on the goaltenders next year. And they're going to have the money to spend elsewhere. And we'll get to it a little bit later. But, you know, we can take a deep dive into, into how much money they're going to have to spend this offseason. And they're going to have a lot. And there's a lot of really good free agents out there. So uh, it's I think it's going to be a real exciting summer for Flyers fans. But, hey, this team right now, you look at the NHL standings, and it, look, it seemed impossible. But right now, with 30 games left, 29 games left for the Flyers, they are only five points out of a playoff spot. The Columbus yeah. Blue Jackets have got 59 points. Uh, Who are falling 50, apart, 50, by the way. Yeah, they're falling apart, all the Panarin and Bobrovsky stuff. The Sabres, who started out so hot, are uh, just struggling. They've fallen to – no one could have predicted that, right? The Sabres. It's like last year's version of the Devils. Started right. out really hot, but everyone knew they weren't that good. The Sabres now only have 56 points. The Hurricanes have 56 points. The Flyers are two points behind them. So the Flyers could conceivably bump, uh, jump both those teams this week and come next week because the, the Flyers have three straight home games. They're playing against the Kings, who are terrible, the Ducks, who are terrible, and then the Penguins. That could be a tough game. But conceivably, they could run this winning streak to 11 games, mm -hmm. and they could be within a, a point or two of playoff spot, you know, the next time that we talk. And this team could make the playoffs and hey if they make the playoffs the way that all these young kids are improving the way that nolan patrick's been playing the way that travis sandheim's been playing ivan provorov finally looks like the ivan provorov that we all know and love mm -hmm. lindblom's been terrific you know like they still have holes but if carter hart keeps playing like this and this team makes the playoffs tell you what they could cause a little bit of noise in the playoffs. It's possible. It's maybe not likely, and it's still a long shot that they make the playoffs. But there's a lot of things to be optimistic about right now for this team. And as fans, we should enjoy that. Because right. the last time that I was this optimistic was going into the season. And then the season started, and everything went to shit. But right, right now, Flyers fans should be happy, and they should be optimistic. Well... Two weeks ago, we, were, me, and both, me and you both were pretty much in agreement that this season was a wash, it was a loss, it was just, there was no shot they were making the playoffs. A week ago, Dan, they were 14 points out of a playoff spot, and now they're five. And you mentioned all those guys. You mentioned Nolan Patrick is finally playing like we thought Nolan Patrick would play. Provorov is back. The Russian machine is back. Sandheim's playing out of his mind. How about the game winner? Who was it? Was it? It was against Boston in overtime. The rifle he took from the top of the circle to beat Tuka Rask. That's what we need. That's what we've been waiting for out of a guy like Travis Sandheim. You build him up as this great offensive weapon before he got the call up, and he is that. But he was getting overshadowed and underutilized by Dave Haxtell, who, by the way, is now somewhere in Sweden learning how to be a head coach. Yeah, I saw that tweet. What the <laughs> hell was that? Yeah, I don't Hextall's know. In I, Sweden somewhere. This reminded me of like Zoolander. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but in Zoolander, like Derek and um, what's uh, what's Owen Wilson's character in Zoolander? Am I am I dating myself here? No, I, I, I've for, seen for Zoolander, but I don't remember his cat. I don't remember his character's name. Yeah, so it was. Uh, now I have to look this up. But the Derek Zoolander and. Um, 
uh, Owen Wilson. Let's see here. What was what was his name? I mean, a, a, a Hansel. Right, Derek Zuhlander Hansel, and Hansel yeah. go off to like the uh, like Norway, and they ended up at some rave party with the with a bunch of dwarves, and <laughs> you know things kind of go downhill from there. That's what I feel like. Dave Hacksaw's on some like crazy retreat in Sweden, uh, doing who knows what. Like he's kind of lost his mind. But yeah, I saw that tweet about Hacksaw being in Sweden, and I thought that was a little bit strange. But well, hey, it just goes to show you far, how how well the Flyers played him, paid him that he can just you know. I'm just going to go to Sweden and live out there for a little bit and learn how to be a coach. That's well, they're still paying him, so I'm right. So pretty sure that good for him. Probably but, contract. But you know the, uh, um, but yeah. So now, uh, as long as he stays away from our young players, and we've got uh, a lot to look forward to. That Sanheim shot. I mean, the Flyers did a four-on-three in overtime against the Bruins. He rotated from the the right point over to the left as a left-hand shot to beat the goalie. That's short hard. side top shelf yeah it's just an absolutely incredible shot and Sanheim just has so much offensive potential I'd like to see him on the power play more the Flyers have gone back to Shane Goss's bear on the first unit and Ivan Krovrom on the second unit and no Sanheim but I think that when they retool things in the offseason I really think that Travis Sanheim should be on one of those top two power play units because he is mm-hmm. just so skilled offensively you know what pissed me off about the Boston game Apparently, nobody knew about the Beanpot Trot but us prior to that game. <laughs> that was like, there was like a revelation on Twitter when they showed the video, and I'm like, well, hold on. I thought this was a big deal already. I thought we did this already. You wrote an article about this. I did. Yeah, I was pissed off. I mean, I was happy they won, but I was pissed off that I was like, I can't believe I never saw this before. And I'm like, what? This Follow- was... Mark Flagman and Philly is flyer, and you know what? Yeah. You would have known about the Beanpot Trot a while ago. Yeah. Well, so I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I'm looking at the eight-game winning streak. And let me see where two weeks ago I would have taken what I'm about to say as a negative. Newmark is taking this. I'm going to put a positive spin on this. So of the eight-game winning streak, and actually of the – I guess it would be, what, nine of the last ten that they've won. Um, The Flyers have beaten their opponents by one goal in six of those games. So six of the nine wins that they have in their last ten, they've only beaten their opponent by one goal. So that tells you a couple of things. A, the goaltending was kind of the missing link in all of this the whole time because they've had a lot of those one-goal games that, they haven't been able to <clears throat> to win. You know, they had a, they have a one goal lead in a game and they end up blowing it. That's not happening anymore now that you're getting solid goaltending. So that's that's one part of it. The other part of it is you could look at it as the offense isn't really where they need to be just yet. But when you mention guys like Nolan Patrick who's been on fire, Travis Sanheim who's been on fire, Oscar Lindblom who is putting the puck in the net a little bit, but more of what you're seeing from him is his play away from the puck and his play on the half wall. And that's something that we knew that he had the ability to do, but wasn't doing too much of since his call up last year. I mean, he, he played decent last year and he's kind of been non-existent up until recent weeks. And so you're getting production out of him. Scott Lawton, I think has really come on in the, uh, he had a couple of really good chances last night, but, 
what you what you what I take from that is so you're getting production from your younger players that have kind of been, you know, not really heard from, pretty much all season, and there are still guys on this roster that have room to improve. Guys like Travis Konechny, guys like JVR, Jake Boracek has picked up his game a, a, a decent amount since this winning streak. So while you're getting production from the young players and you're winning these one-goal games, which is great, if you get guys like Simmons, Van Riemsdyk, Boracek, Konechny to pick up their game, even another notch, if they all picked it up one more notch, there's those extra goals that are going to come, and the Flyers are going to start winning these one-goal games, getting their getting the solid goaltending. You're going to see the one-goal games that they're winning turn into two- and three-goal games, and that is what would make them a dangerous team in the playoffs. Because it's one thing to be getting from the young guys, but when your veterans kick in, especially come playoff time, that's what makes the Flyers so dangerous, because they'll have a goalie who's basically playing. The kid's got nothing to lose at this point. He's proven himself to be able to handle in the NHL, and I, I don't think that he he obviously doesn't let the pressure get to him. So I don't see the playoffs being an issue for Carter Hart. So if you get, namely, more, namely Van Riemsdyk, I'd love to see more from. If you get those guys going, this team is dangerous. Yeah, and here's the other thing. I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, winning some some games that aren't one-goal games, but that's the NHL these days. I mean, it if is. you look at the NHL results, a lot of these games are one-goal games, and I would these kids are now learning how to win close games, which I think is so important because, honestly, in the past, I feel like the Flyers have been a team that either, like, gets blown out or they they do win win games, you know, by big scores. I mean, look at the beginning of the season. Like, they, they start out the season – they beat Vegas five to two, then they lose to Colorado five to two, lose to San Jose eight to two, and then get uh, beat Ottawa seven to four. So like a lot of their wins early in the season were actually by more than a goal, but they weren't winning the close games and they were getting blown out. And so I think that winning these close games against good teams, by the way, I mean they they beat the Bruins twice by a goal. The Bruins are a good team. They mm-hmm. beat uh, the Jets three to one. I mean, the, the Winnipeg Jets are arguably, you know, the best team in the Western Conference, and the uh, the Flyers played really well against them. And so, you know, I think that, that these close games are giving them really good experience. I think that, once again, we're seeing, like, Nolan Patrick kind of really come on here in the second half. And he was always that way in juniors. He was always more of a second-half player. Uh, I, we were Everyone was hoping that he, you know, after his healthy offseason of training, that he would hit the, hit the ice uh, – you know, skating, so so to speak, for this season. And he really struggled the first half of the season, but he's really starting to come on and he's gaining confidence. So, you know, I just, I think all of the experience that this team is getting right now is great. If they make the playoffs, it's gravy. Even if they don't, I think Chuck Fletcher is going to be able to make a lot of moves this offseason. Mm-hmm. And this team should absolutely be a cup contender next year if Carter Hart can keep playing like this. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And, you know, last night, I wanted to touch on this, too. Last night, the, the, the franchise, the Flyers franchise, became the first, they said expansion team, and I guess the Flyers technically were at one point. Um, well, the first non-original six team to reach 2,000 um, franchise wins. And that's big for a few reasons. Obviously, it speaks to 
the longevity of success, albeit not in championships, but just, you know, success overall that this city has had in hockey since the Flyers came to be in 1967. Um, And the other thing is, it's kind of like, I saw it as like bridging the gap between the past and the present. Carter Hart was on the ice and the, the goaltender for the franchise's 2000th win. And also, in doing so, you're connecting the past and the present, and you're also looking ahead to the future, because this kid's probably going to be on the ice for a lot more milestones going forward. So before I, I put out the question on uh, Twitter, at underscore getting bullied, to just have people kind of reminisce their favorite win, and I realize a lot of our... Um, a lot of our listeners. Their favorite moment, right? Or was it favorite win? Favorite win. Just, you know, just because 2,000 wins, I want to, you know, there's been a lot of big wins in the franchise's history, and I'm actually compiling a list of my top five that I'll be putting on uh, Philly as Flyer. So I realize a lot of our listeners are younger, um, probably around my age, you know, in their early to mid-20s, late-20s, if I guess I could be. I don't know. Um so it was kind of all the same stuff. So I'm going to turn it over to the elder statesman of the uh, of the fan base and of this show, and that's you. Um, if you had to think Thanks, back, buddy, I appreciate that. <laughs> if you if you still have the ability to think back, um, you know, deep into what the bag, uh, the detective and true detective who's forgotten everything. I don't even you know. You don't watch that show. Okay. I don't. We could get on that later, maybe, but. I know it's a big deal, but when you're t- when you're thinking about all the wins the Flyers franchise has had, does one stick out in your mind that says like, yeah, that was a big deal when it happened? You talking just regular season? Yeah, because that's what they're. Uh, did that, that does that count all time? I, I I think it was probably regular season. Okay, that's what I, I assume. Clarify because I saw your your tweet, and so I was actually had been trying to mull this over and figure. Out. It's funny. I mean, most of my big Flyers memories are postseason memories because yeah. that's kind of that's what, what you like, remember. You know, my worst memory as a Philadelphia sports fan. Well, there's two of them. One was Patrick Kane, and both games I was at. One was Patrick Kane's overtime goal, but probably even worse than that was Game Seven against the Devils when Eric Lindros got destroyed by Scott Stevens, right. and the Flyers had blown a three to one series lead. They lost three straight, including Game Seven at home. Uh, two to one that was probably my worst flyers memory uh best playoff memory for the flyers probably uh i don't know i'd have to think about that one a little while but um but best regular season memory that i had was probably being at the first home game of eric lindros's career wow because as you mentioned you know he was people had just been so excited that the Flyers were able to get Lindros, and he comes in, and in his first home game, he scored one of the most unbelievable goals I've seen. It was the game-winning goal, I think, late in the game, and that was, uh, I'll never forget that. That was just incredible, and as regular season moments go, probably that first home game for Eric Lindros, but I'm hoping that we'll get some new memories here coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, So on Twitter, I got a couple of responses, and... um... The one that came up the most was the, you know, obviously the final game in 2010, the shootout win against the Rangers that sent the Flyers to the playoffs, and then we know what happens after that. Great run of the Stanley Cup, and Patrick Kane ripped our hearts out. That was a miracle game because 
the Flyers have, you know, historically the far and away the worst team in the history of the NHL in shootouts. And here yes. we are in the, in the most important shootout of this franchise's history against to go the to best the playoffs goalie at it. against the best goalie in the league. And somehow the Flyers won that shootout. That was like the miracle to end all miracles. And we had Brian Boucher starting in goal for us. That's e- which is heightens the improbability of that shootout win. And then the shoot the, the the improbability of that whole run was Brian Boucher, who was in the twilight of his career in his second stint with the Flyers, carried them a little bit in the playoffs, and then he got hurt, and then along comes Michael Layton. And no, this this is negativity, which is not what we're gonna do. Um, also, I saw okay, there's a shootout win. Um, this was a fun one, and this is a. I think I think of all Flyers memories, I think I've watched the video of this particular moment, this particular game, more than any other, and it was um, the day uh, the the brawl against the Senators in, I guess it was two thousand four, and it was every drop of the puck, there was more and more fighting, and that was you know, I was when it was. A little, you know, it was more popular in the game. The fights happened, line brawls happened, you know, way more frequently than to do now. They almost never happen now. The Flyers had Donald Brashear on the team back then, who was just, you know, a bruiser. And that was, I remember, I remember the excitement around that. And it was talked about for so long because it was just, it's everything that we wanted. And if you're going to be talking about line brawls, another one that comes to mind, though this was a loss, was the. Flyers game against the Capitals where Ray Emery, may he rest in peace, just beat the hell out of Braden Holtby, who wanted no parts of it. And he just skated down the ice and said, you know, this is happening whether you like it or not. So, obviously, that was a loss, and that was an ugly loss, but the Flyers against the Senators, that brawl was, it was off the charts. And uh, Mark Ramos, at Mark Ramos 1350, brought that one up. Um if I'm going to I'm going to pick one memory and of of all of of all of them for some reason and I can't remember the I can't remember the exact date but all I remember was it was a afternoon Saturday game it was the Flyers and the Red Wings I think it was Chris Pronger's first year with the Flyers and <clears throat> no it was against the Blackhawks and it was in overtime and there the, the waning seconds of overtime and for <laughs> Chris Pronger, being the cerebral player he was, knew how much time was on the clock, joined the rush. It was an odd man rush. I think it was Simone Gagne crossed it to him, and he tipped it in on the fly, crashing into the boards with like three seconds left, and the Flyers won in overtime. That was, for some reason, that today when I was thinking about it, that game stood out in my mind because I went wild as a kid. I was, I don't know, I was in high school then probably or just before then. So that was another great one. Yeah, I mean, you know, there have been a lot of them, and there's a couple more responses to you that we'll, we can get to in a little bit. I think we should talk about the trade deadline yes. coming up. Yeah, let's do and, that. And, and sort of talk about some moves that this team could make going into the trade deadline. And also, you know, we should talk about the offseason a little bit. But um, so the trade deadline this season is, is Monday, February 25th. So we're really only about 20 days away from the trade deadline. And it's uh, things are going to get crazy in the NHL because there are a lot of pending unrestricted free agents 
especially ones on non-playoff teams who are either going to get re-signed or they're going to get traded. So, you know, you've got uh, names like the Senators have got two of them with Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone, two of the most uh, sought-after forwards in the free agent crop. They're probably, one of them will probably get extended, one of them will get traded, or they'll both get traded. You've got Columbus with their crazy situation with Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, both pending unrestricted free agents, and it doesn't honestly seem like either of them wants to return to Columbus. So I'm guessing that both of those guys might be traded, and Columbus is in a playoff spot, but they still might have to trade those guys. And so those are just four of the big names. You've got Jeff Skinner with the Sabres, the team that all of a sudden has fallen out of playoff contention. He could get traded, or, or maybe they'll extend him to another contract. So there's some big names, and the Flyers have got a big one, and that's Wayne Simmons. And this has been a situation that people have been talking about all season long. Are the Flyers going to trade Wayne Simmons? I'd say that almost everybody kind of assumes at this point that they are going to. Uh, I put out there on Twitter today that this decision is getting – more and more difficult for Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher. And I summarily got uh, absolutely ridiculed by probably 95% of the respondents uh, who were saying that it's still an easy decision that, you know, there's, there's no decisions to be made here. You've got to trade Wayne Simmons. And look, I understand that. Here's the reality though. You've got a team that's won seven in a row, eight in a row. They, could potentially run that streak up to 11 and be right there for a playoff spot. You've got a veteran core, Claude Giroux, namely, who who Chuck Fletcher has said that he's been talking to Claude Giroux about some decisions being made with the team and kind of wants his input. You can you certainly know that that uh, you know Claude Giroux is making a case that they should keep Wayne Simmons and that they should re-sign him. Now, again, Chuck Fletcher is not going to let that make his decision. But all I'm saying is, is it's a more difficult decision than one might think trading Wayne Simmons when this team is playing as well as they have. Now, right. Chuck Fletcher did go on record, uh, I think about a month ago, saying they're either going to extend him before the trade deadline or trade him. Now, that's probably still the case, but but this winning streak might change some things. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about Simmons is what are you going to get in return? So I think they've got to wait until guys like Furland from Carolina, who who's another guy who um, is in demand. You, you might almost have to wait until you see what happens with him, Duchesne and Stone. Um, because right now it's a buyer's market. I feel like there are more players out there that are unrestricted free agents at the end of the season that might be available than teams that might actually want them. So you probably have to wait a little bit. And what, do, what are you going to get for Wayne Simmons? Are you going to get a late first round pick? I guess that's a worthwhile trade but what if this team could make the playoffs and make a run like i it's 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 tough and so simmons is the toughest case to look at the flyers also have a couple other unrestricted free agents michael roffle is is almost a no-brainer to get traded i think uh he's on a manageable contract he's a pretty good third fourth line winger so i think that he'll probably get moved no one wants yuri latera so he ain't getting moved um (laughs) You know, so the, those are the two main guys. People talk about Ratko Gudis because, look, if the Flyers are going to figure out a way to fit in all these young defensemen, like Phil Myers and Sam Moran, they are going to have to do something. They're either going to have to trade Robert Haig or trade Ratko Gudis or try and trade Andrew McDonald or buy him out at the end of the season. And so that's those are, you know, you're looking at Simmons, Raffle, maybe Gudis. 
who could be traded. I actually would, would love to trade Robert Haig because I'd like to keep some of the experience on the blue line with Gudis. And I think Haig's, you know, got some value around the league because all everyone sees, you know, the number of hits he throws every night. Um, I think he's a bottom pairing defenseman. I would be open trading him. But as we approach this deadline, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, and I don't know, what are you, what are you thinking? I mean, I was thinking about this a lot today because I saw that you, um, you had brought it up about Simmons and I'm at, I mean, I'm torn and it does have a lot to do with the return. And this is, I mean, as weird as it may sound, this is like the worst time for the Flyers to be playing well if you're Chuck Fletcher, which, you know, because you, you have to, you know, if you trade away a guy like Simmons right now, let's say the Flyers keep up their good play for the next couple of weeks and at the deadline you get rid of Wayne Simmons, you know, how do you explain that to your fan base if all you got back in return was, you know, a, a, a low first round pick and... You know, I, I saw a report out there that the Jets apparently have made their first round pick available. Well, that's you know you're talking bottom third of the first round for for Wayne Simmons. So he would have some explaining to do. But then you know, if you do that, I guess it, to to an extent you're turning over this roster to another young player. You know, do you bring up a guy at that point because you're going to have a roster spot open? Does a guy like Albe Kubel come up at that point. You know, there's going to be a lot that would have to happen there. But if I'm sitting there with Wayne Simmons and it's you're giving me the option of trade him before the deadline or sign him before the deadline, I would have to vote trade him because I think it's I think it's very um, I think it's very conceivable to think that Wayne Simmons will get a contract like Tom Wilson got from the Capitals in the offseason. and. Is that money that I want to tie up in a player that hasn't had the production that we that we've liked him to this season? Obviously, last season he had the injuries and it affected his play. The two seasons before that, he was a thirty goal scorer. But you know, again, that's two seasons ago when he was a thirty goal scorer. So, what do I want to tie up money in a guy like Wayne Simmons, who is a very good player? He's a nice player to have, but. With his style of play, he's not the type of guy that necessarily will have longevity if he gets a five-year contract at this point in his career. Especially if you don't sign him, the Flyers are going to have a boatload of money to play with in an offseason that's going to have a lot of very good free agents that they could spend that money on. And obviously in the offseason, the, you know, the price tags always go up. Nobody gets what they're worth. They always get more in the offseason. And, you know, that's just the game. That's that's sports. Everybody in free agency gets more money than they're probably worth. And that's fine. That's just something you have to accept as a fan. And that's something that the Flyers, you know, are going to have to do to be competitors and to be players in free agency and going into next season. We've waited for this money for so long. And I would just like to look at it from... You know, I would just like them to take an honest shot at what's going to be out there because all the all the players you mentioned in, you know, that are going to be unrestricted free agents, those are guys that could come in here and really help turn the Flyers around next season. So we're not talking in February about the Flyers finally getting hot and the Flyers maybe making the playoffs. You know, we're talking in February that the Flyers have a firm you know, a, a firm position in the playoffs, and it's not if they're going to make it, it's how deep they're going to go. So 
Yeah, I I would probably I would trade probably Wayne Simmons because I think that the way that Carter Hart's playing right now, and I believe in the other veterans on the team. I believe in Claude Giroux to pick, you know, to keep doing what he's doing. I, I, I like what I'm seeing from Patrick. I like what I'm seeing from some of the other young guys. And I think that, you know, him not being there would hurt the team for a little bit, but I think ultimately they could pick up the slack and, and write the chip. And, Look, they put themselves in a position right now where if they miss the playoffs, it's not because they traded Wayne Simmons. It's because they didn't play well from October to, you know, midway through January. So Wayne Simmons, I don't think it's going to make or break the Flyers' chances at making the playoffs. So if I have to choose between trade him before the deadline or extend him before the deadline, I'm trading him. And I would take that pick from Winnipeg if it was offered. So, but okay. So let's fast forward to the trade deadline. The Flyers uh, uh, go seven and two in the nine games from now until then, and they're in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. H- how do you trade Wayne Simmons and get literally nothing in return to help the current team? It just—I understand that the theoretically, analytically, it's the right decision. You know what I mean? But as right. a GM who has to walk into that locker room. I'm just not sure. And the Blues did it last year. They traded away Stasny. They were in the playoff hunt. They traded away Stasny to Vegas. And they got, you know, what a pick in return. Like, you know, I I get it that that, they did that. But look at what's happened to that team. And I'm not saying there's a correlation. I'm just saying that if the Flyers are in a playoff spot at the trade deadline, and I think probably it's it's right that they shouldn't extend, they shouldn't sign a new deal with Simmons. I just don't think he's going to age all that well. But for this season, it's just it's a when humans are involved, it's a difficult situation. If this team's in a playoff spot, what does it say if you trade away one of your leaders for literally nothing that's going to help the team this season? And well, I a, get it. It's yeah. I mean, well, there's other assets that they have that they could trade away to add to the team. I mean, right now we're looking at it from where the Flyers are at right now. We don't know where the hell they're going to be when the trade deadline approaches, and that's obviously going to dictate what they do. Um, I mean, I just think, are we really, are, are, are the Flyers really in the position right now, unless they bring in a guy that's another unrestricted free agent, which, you know, I don't know how much sense that really makes, but are the Flyers really in a position right now this season to be buyers at the trade deadline and try to make a push for the playoffs? If it only gets you to the playoffs, then what is the point of of doing that? I just don't get it because... The flat look, even if they make the playoffs, let's say they add a player and, you know, it doesn't have to be a Panarin. It could be, you know, whoever, a second, third line guy. And that just gets them to the playoffs. They're still not going to be able to compete with the elite of the Eastern Conference. They're still probably going to they would still definitely lose in a seven game series to Toronto. So why buy at the deadline when you can free up space going forward into the offseason into probably the most pivotal offseason that they've had in some time, I would much rather them give themselves as much wiggle room, as much as many options this offseason as possible, than try to make an addition or make a move at the deadline and make a decision on Wayne Simmons at the deadline because you don't want to upset the players and you think this team just has a chance to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, I'm just, right, I, right. I'm just pointing out that it's not, the decision is just not as easy from a human emotional right. standpoint as you might make it out to be because the long-term ramifications of trading away a leader of this team, if they're in the playoffs and not getting anything substantive in advance, like in, in return, what does that say to the veterans on this team? And yeah, they're professional hockey players making a lot of money. You can say, oh, they should just get over it. But that's not how life works. Like, no. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Human beings are human beings. Like they will, they react to things differently. So, you know, I mean, it's going to just be very interesting to see where this team is at the trade deadline and what they decide to do. But, you know, another thing, you know, I'd love for them to, one option is if they can find a way to get Mark Stone to agree to an extension and find a way to get him, that, that would be great. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, but the reality is that probably most of the, the team's big moves are going to be over the summer. Mm -hmm. And so I tweeted out today, you know, the Flyers, if you so they've got four main restricted free agents they've got to sign. Uh, Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, Ivan Provorov and Travis Sanheim. So if you want to say those four guys are going to make anywhere between, let's say, 16 to 18 million dollars total, then the Flyers still have about $18 million to spend in the offseason. And it would grow, and that would grow if you buy out Andrew McDonald or Dale Weiss. So the Flyers could conceivably have signed those four guys and still have $20 million to spend in the offseason. You could seriously be looking at a team that could go after, you could theoretically sign both Mark Stone, who's one of the best offensive players in the league, and Eric Carlson, one of the best defensemen in the league. It's it's conceivable that you could get both those guys for $20 million. Now, look, that would create some problems down the road because next summer you're going to have to re-sign Patrick Lindblom and Phil Myers. And the summer after that, you're going to have to sign Carter Hart. So you have to keep these things in mind. Right. But the Flyers are going to have the as much money as anybody in the league this offseason to go out and make some real big acquisitions. And so this is part of why, you know, part of the advantage of having a goalie who could be a superstar making $800,000 on the cap for the next two years. It's going to be really interesting to see what Fletcher goes out and does, because I, I will, I think that, you know, one of Mark Stone or Matt Duchesne or Eric Carlson may end up uh, in the orange and black this summer and it's just it's um it's exciting to think about when you combine it with how well this team is playing now how good the young players are playing uh over the last month and what they're going to be able to do in the offseason and, and leading up to the trade line's going to be a big thing but um you know it's uh it's just it's there's a lot of optimism right now for me about this franchise well it's hard not to have optimism but i mean yeah the, the, this offseason is it's going to be a big deal, and for once, for you know, finally, for what feels like the first time in like a decade, the Flyers are going to be in the conversation for the big time free agents. And I agree with you. I think they're going to get somebody huge. They're going to get somebody that's really going to turn the fortunes of this franchise around. And look, we say this. It feels like every every off season. We go into the new season with a sense of optimism and a sense that the Flyers are about to make the next step. But if things go according to plan, if things go the way we think they're going to this offseason, then yeah, 
next season's next season is a step forward because you're going to have the goalie. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have legit superstars in Giroux and whoever else they bring in. So, yeah, I mean, next year will be I, next year. I think the Flyers will be in serious mix to compete for the Eastern Conference championship and go to the Stanley Cup finals because I think Chuck Fletcher now in this time he's going to have the time to see what he has he's going to have time to see what he wants and he's you know I don't know what he's going to do with the coach if Joel Quinn was out there and he wants him great if Scott Gordon's the guy you know we'll see but I think Chuck Fletcher this whole time is just compiling all this information of what he needs what he wants and he's going to put his plan into action starting this offseason and I believe, Dan, we have um, some listener questions that I think yeah, it's time so we get let's, to. Let's get to some listener questions. And also, we should mention that, uh, you know, we had a few more responses to your favorite regular season moment. And we should definitely mention one of those was from Philly Esquire, uh, his own um, Allie. She's uh, at Mustang underscore Sally. And mm-hmm. she's a huge Chemo Tiemann fan and said not Love an in-game him. thing, but Chemo Tiemann's retirement ceremony was always be one of her favorite regular season moments, which it, those retirement ceremonies are always fun. I Last year, going to Eric Lindros's induction into the Flyers Hall of Fame, getting his uh, jersey raised to the Raptors was really incredible. Um, right. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. Darren Brown at Broad Street 16 mentioned the Flyers' 35-game unbeaten streak which is pretty incredible, and I'm pretty sure that happened before either of us was born, I think. But Definitely I for me. Um, it was so the 79-80 season. Viewer questions. Listener mail. We love the listener sending in mail. Um, we've got, I think, three different questions, and then Flyers Rob always sends in his multiple-part ones. But so Mike Aceto, one of our loyal listeners, and uh, we've had him on the show, at MDeath and Taxes, says, what is the current status of Andrew McDonald, and what do you see Fletcher doing, if anything, to replace him before entering next season, whether Phil Myers or a legitimate top-pairing defenseman via trade? At this point, would you agree AMAC is holding back the defense? So the, what they're going to do from a defense standpoint is really fascinating to me because they, they need to get Phil Myers some time this season, and Sam Moran is coming back soon. He'll probably go down to the AHL for a conditioning stint, but then he's going to have to be back um, you know, in the NHL, uh, just based on his age, he can't stay down in the AHL unless he clears waivers. So it's just, they're going to have to do something. They're either going to have to find a way to trade Gudis or Haig or McDonald or something. But I actually, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I would rather try and trade Robert Haig because the Flyers talk about that they want to keep some veteran leadership on the blue line. And you're talking about McDonald and Gudis there mainly. And Gudis has had a really good season. And mm-hmm. he's, he's signed to a pretty reasonable contract for next year. So if you've got Gudis as a third-pairing defenseman next year, that's fine with me. So I would, uh, I would try and trade Hay. And I would probably look to buy out McDonald in the offseason. And my optimal pairings for next year, I you know... I think you're going to sign a big defenseman here. I, I, I think. I think you could sign an Eric Carlson or a, um, or, you know, I, I don't know, a Strollman or maybe try and trade for a, uh, 
Truba or a Pareko, that would obviously be a huge trade. But I think, you know, you could be looking at a top six of Provrov with someone they signed, Ghost with Myers, Sanheim with Gudis, and then the seventh defenseman could be Moran. Or, you know, you could hold on to AMAC and have him be the seventh, or Friedman. Um, you know, if you don't sign someone, you could still have Provrov, Sanheim, Ghost, Myers, uh, you know, Amac Gudis or something is your third pair. Like, look, I don't, if Andrew McDonald is a third pairing defenseman, I don't really care if he's on the mm-hmm. team for one more season and then his contract is up. But they, you're going to have to do something. And I am thinking that perhaps trading Haig would be my preferred route. Yeah. I mean, Haig, Haig brings a, uh, a sense of physicality that the Flyers obviously love. All he really gets praised for is his hitting and his block shots, which are assets. But when you're looking at some of the talent that the Flyers have in the pipeline, it doesn't really make much sense to keep a guy like Haig around when you have more talented players. Um, I mean, you're right. They have to do something. They, they've had this, you know, the, the, the resolution of this logjam on the blue line has been a long time coming. We should start to get an answer. As far as AMAC is concerned, I would agree with you, probably a buyout in the offseason, just because, I mean, maybe a trade if somebody wants him. I can't imagine anybody wants him um, at his current number, even for a year. Um, but when you bring up Gudis, and you're right, they obviously need their veteran leadership, but it just goes back to what you, what you said about, um, about Wayne Simmons and trading him with the deadline. If they're in a playoff spot, you know, and you're Chuck Fletcher, how do you walk into the room and justify trading Radko Gudis, who's had a really good season, and has played with a level head, hasn't, you know, gotten his, you know, hasn't got suspended or anything. You know, how do you walk into a locker room and say, yeah, we just traded Radko Gudis, even though, you know, we're in the we're in the playoff picture right now. So I think a guy like him is probably going to stay. I'm interested to see how they're going to how they're going to, you know, take to all this with Moran just around the corner and. You know, Myers killing it down in the AHL. He's got to get time up here this year, and they have to figure out a way to do that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how that goes. The um, yeah, next question here that I'm looking at is from Kevin Benner at Kevin Easy RQ, and he asks, "Will Wayne and Jake still be here after the trade deadline?" Well, we touched on Wayne. Um, you know, it, it depends. Like we said, it depends where the Flyers are at at the deadline. I, if I had it my way, I would trade him just because I'm, I'm looking to maximize my options in the offseason. Jake, will he be here at the deadline? I mean, I, I would think so. Jake has a really big contract, and it goes for a really long time. Unless there's a team out there that gets desperate and really likes him and the Flyers are willing to eat some of the contract, then maybe. But, you know, Jake Vortrek has played well lately. And I, I can't even begin to, with that contract and with his kind of up and down play that we've seen out of him in recent years, I can't even imagine to put a market value on a guy like Jake Voracek. But I would, if I had to guess, I would say, at gun to my head, I would say Wayne Simmons, no, Jake Voracek, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone was kind of calling for Jake to get traded um, over the past few months. He's just kind of like a favorite whipping boy for Flyers fans. He started playing a lot better of late. Look, if you could get full value back for him, sure, I'd look to trade him. But he's, um, you know, he's he's been pretty good of late. So 
I don't know. It's really tough making a trade during the season involving a guy like him right. and getting back equal value. So, you know, I think that's that's what's going to be interesting. So I'd agree with you. I think Wayne, I think they will trade Simmons, although, again, I think it's becoming a more difficult decision, and I think Jake will still be here after the deadline. Yep. Watch it. Throw, watch Chuck throw us a curveball, and Wayne will be here, and Jake won't. But hey, we'll whatever. see. Um, so uh, Robert N. Wilson the third, our buddy Flyers Rob at NAA Robert Wilson, chimed in and uh, asked a couple questions. So Dale Weiss is in a Phantoms uniform. Have we seen his last day ever in a Flyers uniform? Yes. yes. And Chuck Fletcher said that. So mm-hmm. you're not going to see Dale Weiss anymore in a Flyers uniform. Thank God. Which. Yeah, which prospect not playing in a Let's Go Flyers uniform has a legit chance of being an NHL Flyers player next season? So, you know, first off, let me just say that over the last few months, Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee have been absolutely incredible. I said before the season started that I thought Joel Farabee would lead the NCAA in freshman scoring, and there's a lot of good ones out there. Right now, Joel Farabee is leading all freshmen in college in scoring he looks to me like he's going to be a legitimate first-line NHL player. Probably won't be with the team next season, although I think he could be if he puts on some muscle. But I think he'll probably play one more season of college hockey. You know, I think that uh, um, if we're – let's take the Phantoms out of the equation because obviously Phil Myers is going to be on the Flyers next season. But if you take the Phantoms out of the equation, I mean, I think the obvious answer here is Morgan Frost. The guy is leading all of – uh, the Canadian juniors and points per game at 1.9. He's just had an incredible season. And I think that uh, we'll definitely see him in the Flyers uniform next season. It might be after playing 20 to 30 games with the Phantoms, but he could also make the team right out of camp. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's probably, that's, he's got to be at the top of the list and his play um with the Greyhounds this season, last season has just been off the charts. You know, he started out slow this year and he's really bounced back. So yeah, I would have to say without question, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Morgan Frost and that'll just add to the excitement that should be there next season. I would love him up here to be able to see him, you know, just from the little I've seen him in the preseason. And when you go down to the development camp in the summer to see the stuff that he's able to do, on the ice to see him to be able to see him do that regularly with the Flyers would be um it would be fun, Dan. It'd be a lot of fun. And I know you would uh I don't know how you would hold back your excitement every game watching him in, in a <laughs> yeah, Flyers it'd, uniform. It'd be great, you know. It would be. Um him and Fairby eventually are gonna be real fan favorites. Yeah. That's gonna be a deadly combination, the two of them. I can't wait for that. It's not that far off, Dan. It's really not. Um I have one final question, not hockey related. Um, <laughs> do you think the Phillies sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? Yeah, I think they're going to sign Bryce Harper, yeah, but yeah. it's just so interminable this whole process. But yes, I think the Phillies are going to sign Bryce Harper. Is what I would guess. I would guess that too. So much so, I bought tickets for opening day. So nice. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a real good time. Um. So yeah, that's uh that's the last question, correct? That is the last question. We thank right. our uh, loyal listeners for sending those in. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, Dan, it has been another fun-filled hour plus of Flyers talk. This is probably 
I think of all the episodes we've done last season and this season, I think this has been the most positive one that we've ever had. Yeah, I agree. This is uh, this feels good to do an episode where we've got so much optimism. Yeah, hopefully it hopefully it lasts into next week. But this is your favorite part of the episode, and it's time to give your shameless plug of your social media. Yeah, so uh, everyone can find me on Twitter at dsilver88. You can uh, make fun of my my takes. You can uh, provide some debate. You can uh, you know do whatever you want. But come check me out on Twitter at dsilver88. And uh, check out my prospects articles at yes. phillyisflyer.com. Uh, we got some good content up there. And uh, look for uh, my next prospect article probably after the draft, and maybe I'll have something in between. But uh, it's always uh, always some good stuff there at phillyisflyer.com. It sure is, and we're happy to be part of it. And as for me, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at Mark Flagman with two N's. You can follow this very show at underscore getting bullied. Um, again, head over to Phillies Flyer, check out my recent articles. I put out a, uh, a couple weeks ago, I put out kind of a tribute to Claude Giroux, everybody's favorite flyer, although 65% of you would save Carter Hart from a sinking ship over Claude Giroux, and that's all right. Um, but you can check out that article, and coming soon will be my article of the uh, five of the best flyers wins to honor their 2,000th regular season win last night and of course on the shoulders of 41 saves by Carter Hart so hopefully we're praying that the optimism will keep up for another seven days so next week we can do this all over again and have more fun and hopefully we're talking about an extended Flyers winning streak but I know we'll be talking about everybody's favorite 20 year old Carter Hart so until next time let's go Flyers